Welcome to Here's the Caveat, an international leadership podcast. Business coach Bob Reich tackles the issues that plague business professionals today. With candor and transparency, he provides real-life answers to the real-world issues with his years of experience and practical wisdom. He will inspire you with value and provide you with practical answers to help you navigate through life's greatest circumstances. Welcome to Here's the Caveat. Take it away, Bob. Welcome to Here's the Caveat, an intentional leadership podcast with Coach Bob Rich. I'm Bob Rich, your host, and I thank you for joining us again this week. Last week, we talked about fake gurus. What are the flags to look out for when you see someone who offers a deal that's too good to be true? When you see that person on LinkedIn or Facebook or somewhere online that offers you that deal that guarantees you success, guarantees you hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars, they guarantee you leads that are guaranteed to turn into a client. So many people every day fall for those deals that are too good to be true. This week, I want to turn the tables. I want to talk about the non-perfect prospect. What to look for in those prospects that you are so diligent of looking for each and every day. One of the areas I teach is what to look for in a perfect prospect. You know, do they see your value? Do they have a need and admit to a need that they believe that you might be able to help them with? And are they willing to invest in themselves? The other side of that table is the non-perfect prospect. What are the red flags? What are the things to look out for when you're looking for somebody to do business with and you wonder if they are your perfect prospect? The better question is, are they my non-perfect prospect? We're going to talk about those red flags today. We've heard for years the question, who is your prospect? And so many people out there say, everybody, everybody's my prospect. If they have a heartbeat, they're my prospect. If they are alive, they are my prospect. And that could be further from the truth. One of the questions I get every day is, who's your perfect prospect? And I'm going to give you my answer. And generally, I hear a chuckle. Then I say, and it's not everybody. People say, Coach Bob, who's your perfect prospect? And I say, someone with two eyes, one nose, one mouth, and two ears. Then after the chuckle, I say, that's not everybody. What I have learned through the years is your perfect prospect is not based on salary. Your perfect prospect is not based on industry or job title. I have worked with those 18 to 22-year-olds that believe they know everything. They have all the answers. I have worked with billionaires, billionaire CEOs, and everybody in between. The one thing I've learned is that whether a person is just starting out in business or they are a seasoned professional, they're looking for somebody who cares about them and understands them. They're looking for somebody who generally wants to provide value to help them get where they need to be. 
As we talk about the non-perfect prospect, you're going to run into people that are your non-perfect prospect. Now, when I share these red flags, don't think of every one as, I see this in every person, because you're going to see a lot of these in everybody. The question is, is when they start adding up. The question is, is when they start piling up, if they are exhibiting many of these behaviors in the interview or when you first meet them, imagine what they're going to be like when they become comfortable. So let's go ahead and go through some of these red light indicators, as we'll call them, the red flags. The first red light indicator is, are they a jerk? Are they plain and simple a jerk? When you speak with them, is, are they speaking back to you in a way that is disrespectful, not only to you, but the people around them? Are the thoughts that you have is, I generally don't like working with this person, or I don't like being around this person? Are they a jerk? That's a great red light indicator when you start working with somebody. Now, it could be because they're nervous. It could be because they have their defenses up. It could be because they have met people in your industry before and have had some bad experiences. You may want to start asking them questions and getting to know them and letting them know that you care about them and you want to understand them. Many times you can start breaking down those barriers. The question that you really want to zero in on is, are they really a jerk or are they defensive? That's the first red light indicator. The second red light indicator is no value system. As you're talking to these people, do you see that they have no value system? They don't stand for anything. They don't have a sense of purpose. They don't have a sense of integrity. They really don't have principles. One of the ways to really focus on this is their disciplines in their life. Are they really focused on helping people? Are they really focused on making a difference? When you talk to these people, are you, the questions that arise in your mind is, does this person understand value or do they recognize value in someone else? When you start asking these questions and understand that they may not have a value system, what you will find is later on, how will they treat your clients and how will they treat your friends? How will they treat your family when they themselves don't have a value system as a foundation? Do they really have that integrity that you're looking for? Is this a person that you would allow to close your store? Is this a person that you allow, would allow to open your store or open your business? Would you trust them with the cash register? Number three, are they lazy? This is one that you really want to focus on because laziness will destroy your business underneath the foundation. Will they go that extra step? Will they take the opportunity to leave when they could do one more thing? Will they close five minutes early because they just don't want to wait five more minutes? Will they go that one more step for that client? Will they go that one more step when somebody walks into the place of business two minutes before, they clo before you close? Are they willing to take care of that client as if the store just opened? These are some things to really look for. Will they take that one extra phone call or will they always look for shortcuts? Well, they always look for the opportunity to take a shortcut and not have to put that effort in. 
when they have the opportunity, will they sit back and do nothing, or will they do what it takes to be productive? You'll hear me talk a lot about productivity versus busyness. And I believe that everybody should understand that nobody should ever be busy. Everybody should be productive. When I say this, productivity really isn't about activity. Productivity is about making sure that the things with the most consequences attached to them get done first. And there comes to a moment that you may not have to do anything more because everything is finished. Where people with a busy mindset is nothing is ever finished. There's a difference between being productive and not active and being lazy. If you want to know more about this, get onto my website at bobrish.com forward slash priorities and we teach people how to become productive and take busy out of their daily schedule. Number four, are they rude to others? Are they rude to people when they see them? When, you, when they talk about people around them, how do they talk about them? Do they really focus on the good in people? Or are they focused on being disrespectful to people? Just because you don't find something good in somebody doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful. Are they rude to others? Here's a good example. When you're at a restaurant, how do they treat the, treat the waiter or the waitress? Do they treat them with respect? Do they treat them with dignity? Or do they treat them like a servant that doesn't deserve any respect? When they see the janitor or they see somebody that they believe is not up to their financial level, how do they treat them? Do they treat them like they would want to be treated? Do they treat them with respect? Are they rude to others? When you start asking these questions, these are things that what we call as red light indicators. They will start showing concern as you start adding these up. Number five, wild expectations. I had a client one time that was, had his heart set on buying a town. He had never started a business before and all he wanted to was buy a town. And every coaching session, he would talk about, I want to create a town and buy a town. And I used to talk to him. I said, that's a great dream. That's something we can work for. But today, we need to work on step number one. We need to get your business started. We need to teach you how to think like a business person. We need to teach you how to think like a leader. His expectation was, by the end of the year, he would own his own town. And one of the reasons that he never really became successful is because of wild expectations. He expected so much. This is different than having big dreams. This is different than dreaming big. This is not just dreaming big to see in the future of what you think might be, or you think you could be, or you strive towards, but it's the unrealistic expectations. The question is, is do they have unrealistic expectations? I had a gentleman I talked to one time, and he wanted to me to coach him, and I asked him, I said, what is your, one of your expectations after 30 days? And he said that I consistently have $20,000 a month in income coming in. At this point, he has never done anything or understood how to even have a business. Was it possible? Yes. Was it probable? No. But all he could focus on was, this is what I want. But he wasn't willing to do the steps to get there. Number six, the I know person. The I know guy, the I know gal. The person that knows everything. 
We all know that person. Every time you say something, they say, I know. Whether they know or not, they know everything. Or every time you say something, they always want to tell you a little bit more about what they know. They know everything. You can't tell them anything. I think this starts as a, as when somebody is very young. I, I've, ta- I've worked with kids. I've worked with a lot of kids of different uh, behavior types and different ages. And one of the things that I've discovered is when I tell a child to say, I, I need you to stop doing that or I need you to do this. And their response is, I know. My response was, no, you don't know or you wouldn't be doing it. That's why I had to tell you that I would say the right response is, yes, sir, I will do that. That mindset starts at a very young age. The I know is not necessarily they know everything. It's more of they don't want to hear it from you. Do they know everything or do they have an attitude of learning? Are they willing to learn One of the things I always tell people is just because I ask a question doesn't mean I don't know the answer. Many times I want to know their answer. And there's a lot of times that people tell me things and I do know the answers. I do know uh, the facts. And many times I know more than they do about the subject. I let them talk and I let them speak. And I focus on what can I learn from them. I might learn something new. I might learn a different perspective. Just because you know doesn't mean you always have to let somebody know that you know. But that person that has to let everybody know that they know everything, many times is an indicator that they know very little. Number seven, openly critical of others. This kind of goes back to root of others. Openly critical of others. Are they critical of everything everybody does? Not from the perspective of questioning, But are they setting themselves above everybody else? Nobody else can do anything right. Nobody else can do anything except for them. Kind of related to the I know person. Everything somebody else does, they're critical to the point of they want to elevate themselves above that person. Not asking questions, not being inquisitive. Are they openly critical of others? And number eight swears in a professional setting. I am not an advocate of professional speakers swearing on stage. You'll never hear those type of words come out of my mouth on a stage. I believe it's inappropriate. Not everybody feels that way. I do. And I've heard so many speakers say, we're all adults here. We're all big boys. We're all big girls. And they say these words assuming that everybody's okay with it, not realizing that a lot of people may not be. That's just an indication they may not know their audience. The reason we talk about this is if you're in a party or you're with a group of people that you know or you're angry and you're within a group of people that you understand and they know you, that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about in a professional setting, in a setting that you don't always know who the other person is. It could be an interview. It could be a time that people don't necessarily know who you are and you need to make sure that you understand who your audience is before you begin to speak. The example here is this is the standard that Adolf Hitler used when picking the people, picking the generals that were in his inner circle. One of the standards that he used was, do these generals swear in a professional setting? And if they did, he did not believe they had the integrity enough to be in his inner circle. And I find that very interesting because of all people, Adolf Hitler, 
who in my opinion is one of the biggest disasters and, one, and committed one of the biggest tragedies ever on the face of this earth. Of all people, he saw that as important. Do they swear in a professional setting? Do they swear when they don't understand their audience? What that shows is they may not understand or have the emotional intelligence to be able to understand their environment, control their own feelings, or be willing to understand where they're at. Another one is the exception to the rule. Is that person the exception to the rule? Number nine, the exception to the rule. Everything that you say, they're the exception. Everything that you say, they are the one person that doesn't have to abide by that specific standard. One of the things I always say to these people is, yeah, not everybody has to abide by the law of gravity in a very sarcastic way. We all know that person. Every time you say something, oh, not me, I'm the exception. Not me, I do this. Or when they hear that most people do this, they're always the first to say, not me, that doesn't apply to me. What we find is that is an attitude that often creates dissension among everybody around them. Number 10, they top every story that you tell. Every story that somebody tells, they've got a better story. Every story that happens, they always can top it. No matter what you say or somebody else says, they always have a better story. As a leader, I always like somebody else to have the better story. But when they are so insecure that they have to top everybody else's story, that is definitely a red light indicator. And number 11, and I believe the most important, is not communicating. They always have an excuse. In today's day and age, there's always a cell phone. There's always a way to text. There's always a way to email. There's always a way to call. And when you communicate with somebody, we're not talking about they have to communicate right away, but do they not communicate at all? Do they tell you that they're going to arrive in 15 minutes and they don't show up? When you call them, they say, I'll be there in five minutes, and they're there in an hour. I'm on my way. I'll be there in an hour, and they don't show up at all. They tell you that they're going to be there during lunch, and you wait for them, and they're not there. And when you ask them about it, they always say, oh, I got busy, or I got sick, or I didn't feel good. There's no excuse for this. None. And I believe this one right here is not just a red light indicator. I believe it's a disqualification. Because when people say they're going to do something, that's their word, or their word is their bond. And unfortunately today, that's not taken as seriously as it should. You hear my passion because this is so important. When you tell somebody you're going to be there, you need to be there. If you can't be there, you call them, you text them, you email them, and you share, I can't be there. Can we change the schedule? Most people have heard me that have heard me on stage or at my podcast. They, I always say is, you can never be late. Ever be late. You don't always have to be on time, but you can never be late. You can always call and say, I'll be there in 15 minutes because of traffic. And when they say, okay, you're no longer late. You renegotiated the time. I recently had a person that I'm working with. I'm actually acquiring a business from them. And we're actually, we're actually saving the business. And I needed some answers from them. And they didn't call me for three days. They didn't respond to my text for three days. And finally, I got a hold of them. They said they didn't feel good. And my response was, no excuses. They could have texted. They could have said, I don't feel good. I can't talk right now. They could have responded to me by text. They could have called and said, 
I can't speak right now, but I can speak at another time. The first 10, I believe, are red light indicators. This last one, I believe, is a disqualification. If they're not communicating, they're not somebody that you want to have on your team. If that is you, you need to stop it. Because if you're not communicating, you are showing somebody else that you do not respect their time, and you're showing them disrespect. We live in an age of communication. You can always text. Give people a, a, an expectation that's realistic. On number five, we talked about wild expectations. If you tell somebody that you can get back to them within 24 hours, you get back with them within 12 hours. If you tell them two days, you get back with them within one day. If you say, I'm going to call you within two hours, you call them within one hour. Set those realistic expectations. If you can't do it for two hours, you tell them four hours. Allow people to have that respect and give them that respect and show them that you respect their time. You have to communicate. Communication is the one thing that kills leaders every single day. Communicate. Text, call, or email. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, this was a different issue. Today, in this century, we have all of the technology to communicate. You don't have to necessarily send a, a send a message right back immediately, but make sure it's in an acceptable amount of time, a few minutes, maybe an hour or two. When I'm coaching, I have two-hour coaching sessions. Somebody that doesn't that, that texts me or calls me during a coaching session, I don't answer it out of respect to the person I'm that I'm coaching. But I will tell you this, as soon as I'm done with my coaching session, I will communicate with them. Ask every one of my clients, ask everybody that I work with, when they call me or text me, generally it's within two hours or not much after that that I at least get back to them or at least text them and say, I can't talk now, can we reschedule another time? Communication, it is so important. The non-perfect prospect, who is not really the person you want to work with? Last week, we talked about those people you may not want to buy into. What about the people that you're looking to do business with? Be selective. Don't be the person who is desperate to work with that person. Be selective. What are those red light indicators? Are they a jerk? Do they not have a value system? Are they lazy? Are they rude to others? Wild expectations. The I know person. Openly critical of others. Swears in a professional setting. They have they, uh, they are the exception to the rule. They want to top every story. And here's the caveat. If you're going to change one thing today, communicate. Be that one person who communicates. Be that one person who follows up. Be that one person that everybody can count on that they, when they communicate with you, you will always respect their time. And there is the caveat. Thank you for listening today. It is an honor and a privilege to have you as a part of Here's the Caveat. If you would like to reach out to us today or if you have any questions, you can reach us at 623-628-1996 or email us at coach at bobrish.com. Please follow our LinkedIn page at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Robert Rish. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter under Coach Bob Rish or Caveat Institute. You can also visit us at bobrish.com and learn more how Caveat Institute can meet and serve your needs. Also, please consider sponsoring this podcast. Without your support, this podcast would not exist. It is because of your listening and financial support that allows us to impact the world. 
We have thousands of listeners in over 50 countries because of you. I ask you to consider sponsoring us by placing an advertisement on this podcast or donating at the link provided. Again, it's been an honor to speak with you today. Please enjoy other episodes and stay tuned to another episode next week. And thank you in advance for sharing this podcast and allowing others to receive the value that you have received today. Have a fantastic day and don't be afraid to be great. This is Bob Risch signing off. See you next week for another episode of Here's the Caveat.